Hey, this is Scott. And Burke. From the Davis and Davis Show, the podcast for everything Ohio. Two guys who met at the University of Akron and have a love for Northern Ohio. We talk about everything from entertainment to motorsports to fine wine and spirits. Do you want to get a little insight on Northern Ohio from the perspective of two middle-aged men? Well, as we say, grab a beer, a glass of wine, sit down, relax, and listen. New shows every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern. Just go to www.redcircle.com slash Davis and Davis. Or find us on Apple Podcasts, Prime Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Check out our Facebook page at Davis and Davis. We're not a real law firm. And we just don't care. Welcome to the Burley Gunner Show. Welcome to the Burley Gunner Show on the Cleveland Sports Fan Network, clevelandsportsfan.com, and streaming on mobile devices around the country on Apple Podcast, Cleveland Sports Fan page. You are all dogs, and welcome to today's show. It's a Thursday, baby. It's time to play some football. Here today on the Burley Gunner Show, we are going to dive into... Uh, it's a very football-heavy-based day. Um, a lot of football topics. We are going to swing into college football here coming up in the show um, for the first time on the Burley Gunner Show, speaking about college football. But let's start in the National Football League. Tonight we have the Giants. Oh, the Giants. The New York football giants are heading to Washington, and they're going to go up against Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team on Thursday Night Football, primetime baby, where the whole world will be watching and everybody will be listening. All eyes on the Giants and the football team tomorrow night. It doesn't matter who the NFL throws out there in the Thursday night game. You watch it. I watch it. He watches it. She watches it. You know, everybody is going to tune in and watch the football game. I think it's very intriguing, um, especially for Washington, for a few reasons. Number one, quarterback issues. They are now without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Taylor Heineke is now taking over. And to me, it's just a very interesting team this season because a lot of people speculate that they will win the division and make the playoffs. They were impressive against the the Bucs last year in the postseason. However, didn't come up uh, with the victory. I keep alluding to the fact that last season, the football team only won seven ballgames. That's it. So now a quarterback problem. Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be the veteran bridge quarterback until they found their guy. Taylor Heineke, we we shall see. However, it, it is against the, uh, the the New York football giants, so kind of not a very um, fair sample size to say. But I think what's interesting about this game, and I'm going to spark some, some tension here, but what's interesting about Washington is... If Washington goes out there and lays an egg with Taylor Heineke, now they have a bigger problem. And guess what? Guess who's on the market? Guess who's out on the market right now? Cam Newton. 
Former coach Ron Rivera, could he possibly go after his old guy? The guy that was rookie of the year, the guy that was a, 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 an MVP, had a 15-1 and season, went to the Super Bowl and lost to arguably the greatest defense in the Super Bowl era? I don't know. It's interesting. The Giants, not so much. The Giants are the Giants are comical. The Giants is what you would turn on Comedy Central. The Washington football team, I would go to probably the USA Network to watch that. D- dramatic, something dramatic. Something with with a little spark. Washington has spark. Now I will say this, Washington's also Interesting on the defensive side of the football. I do believe that they are better than the Denver defense that the Giants went up against last week. However, it must be noted, they gave up 424 yards at home to the Chargers. That was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the NFC. Still could be. We don't know. I mean, the Chargers, we expect to be a very good offense. At least I do. In my opinion, the Chargers are going to be one of the best football teams in the AFC and even in their division in the AFC West. I've I've been on record multiple times saying that. But what I think is it's it's also not a fair sample size to say they gave up 424 yards against the Chargers, who played exceptionally well on the road in Week 1. But now let's just dive into the NFC East as a whole. At the beginning of the season, I said, the Cowboys are going to win this division, the football team's going to come in second place, and then it doesn't matter after that. Philadelphia? I mean, they looked a lot better than expected by most. They looked a lot better than expected by most. Need to see. I need to see a few more weeks. I need to see a few more weeks. Um, but I'm strongly leaning the Eagles to compete with Dallas for that division. So, I mean, that leads to Dallas, which who who I still believe will remain at the top of the division. The way I see it would be Dallas, Philly, and Washington in the middle, and then the Giants at the bottom. That's it. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. Philadelphia and in, in Washington in the middle of the pack. But, I mean, Philly's going to have to play San Francisco this week. So, I, I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know how that's going to go. That could be a miserable game for Philadelphia. The 49ers will be no cakewalk this week for Philadelphia. I actually think that Philadelphia is going to have a very hard time in this game, um, even though that it is in Philadelphia at home. So the way that I see the NFC shaping up, which would be Dallas still on the driver's seat, but Philly is now going to probably compete with Washington for that number two spot. And then obviously the laughable Giants, the, the, the team that should be playing their football games on Comedy Central is the bottom of the pack. And that's just the way I see it. Washington, uh, for sports bettors out there, are getting minus three. Um, I'd probably eat that up. I'd take that all day. Uh, I probably will take that all day. You can uh, stay tuned to Burley's Bets later on. And we, we may look into that. That may be a play on the bonus addition to the Burley Gunner Show in Burley's Bets. How about we talk about the state of Texas? Love me some Texas. But I don't want to talk about Dallas. See, 
Normally, I would want to come on the show and talk about Dallas. Shout out. Shout out, Scooter. But I don't want to talk about Dallas. I want to talk about Houston. What in the hell is going on in H-Town? First, you have the Houston Astros with the fraudulent World Series. And I mean fraudulent World Series. We're not going to talk about the Astros today, however. How about the Houston Texans? J.J. Watt wanted out of town. They traded They traded DeAndre Hopkins. Why? Why? Why the hell would you trade DeAndre Hopkins? And now we have issues with Deshaun Watson? It's turmoil. But that's not even where I direct my attention. The Texans are not, or the Astros, are not what made me want to come on here and randomly talk about the city of Houston. Yesterday there was news that broke John Wall and the Houston Rockets were going to mutually part ways and Houston would seek a trade for John Wall. Can I just can I just ask a question? Can I just get the elephant out out of the room? Let me address the elephant real quick. Why in the hell did John Wall ever come to Houston in the first place? Let's listen to the Houston Rockets timeline, okay? They tried everything. Now, now, hats off to them in respect to the Houston Rockets. I mean, they tried everything. They they didn't wait. They sat the, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine being the general manager of the Houston Rockets the last 5, 6, 7 years. It, it must have been hell, to be honest with you. The the thoughts and everything, ev- all the moves, the superstars, the the headaches, everything. But ba- let's go to the timeline. Back in 2012, they go out and they get James Harden and it worked. Okay? It worked. Hats off to them. They were right about James Harden. I remember when that happened, James Harden went on saying something about I, he, was the, he was the best player in the NBA. And I, and I thought to myself, dude, do you know who LeBron James is? You're, you were playing basketball on the same team as Kevin Durant, and you were the sixth man. But granted, they were right about James Harden. I'm not saying he was the best player, but he did, t- he, he did turn out to be a superstar. And they were right about Harden. But they could never get it to work with James Harden. Never. It never worked. First, they tried to bring Dwight Howard into Houston. That didn't work. Then they go out. They get Mike D'Antoni. They get Chris Paul. That didn't work. So when an end result, James Harden leaves... Let's let's not forget also they then traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. That was that was a, a questionable call. Cleveland did something very very similar when they were chasing Golden State because that's the team that they were chasing. It's obvious to everybody that Houston was chasing Golden State. It's obvious to that. Houston was chasing Golden State just like Cleveland was chasing Golden State and they made a similar trade. They downgraded Chris Paul to a more athletic Russell Westbrook. That's what they did. 
The Cavs made a similar trade when they dealt Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas. Instead of, see what Golden State did was they, they added to their super team. Everyone is talking about Kevin Durant, Warriors. What about the, the Warriors without Kevin Durant? They were already a super team. They were already a super team and they added a, a fourth piece. The second best player in, in the NBA. So the Cavs, what I expected them to do was to keep Kevin Love, keep Kyrie Irving, keep LeBron James, add a fourth player. You would think that the, the, the Houston Rockets, who already didn't really have that third player solidified, would add a, another player to it. But instead, they swapped point guards. And honestly, I think they made a, 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 the, the wrong move. So the end result was Houston ended up leaving James Harden. They, they shipped him off to Brooklyn. They get rid of Russ, and they bring in John Wall coming off an injury. Why? That's my only question. Why does that happen? It doesn't make any sense. And why does it seem like that city can't get anything right? Think about it. Just think about it. What did John Wall do for Houston? Think about the big problems in H-Town over the last three years. Not even three years. Think about all this stuff that has happened in the last three years of sports. The Astros, quote, won a World Series, okay? And I use quote because you know exactly what happened. There is a bunch of uh, BS, slander, against the Houston Astros in baseball, and you already know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get into it. I don't need to. So after not only the Houston thing with the Astros, but the Houston Texans blew a 24-point lead in the playoffs to the Chiefs. What, two, two years ago? And now look what we have. Now look what we have. You go from up 24 points to the Chiefs in a playoff game to two years later, you are talked about being the worst team in the National Football League. The Houston Rockets. They were in a game seven of the Western Conference Finals against Golden State. This is all recent, within three years. They are now at the bottom of the NBA. And the Astros, in my opinion, are only getting worse. They're not going to win a World Series this year they're just, they're losing players. They're not adding anybody. I'm not going to get into Houston, the Astros. But that's what I have to say. I mean, it's just turmoil. There's just turmoil in Houston. Now, the Houston Cougars have more going for them in that city. And that leads me to my next topic, the Big 12. They announce that they will now accept Houston, not only Houston, the Cougars, but Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU into the conference. This is not only great for these schools, but this is magnificent for college football. The college football playoff works better than the AP poll. The way that they have it structured is better. However, the college football Still needs to still needs work done. Still needs work done for college football, um, in my personal opinion. Let's look at some positives that the um, college football has done, the NCAA has done for college football. 
Number one, they added the college football playoff. Even though I still like it to be a standard 8-12 to team playoff, I think that's the way to go. It's still a really good start, and the college football uh, playoff has been good thus far, in my opinion. Number two, recently, there have been a lot of more eye-popping non-conference games early on in the season. We see it already. Oregon, Ohio State, like that is just something that is a, a, a rare thing, and we're seeing a lot more of it. Number three, college athletes are now able to make money. They are able to make money now. That was a huge issue, a huge problem in college football, okay? These schools getting into the Big 12 is going to figure out a lot of things. Who does this help? Who does this help? Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU. Obviously, it helps the schools, okay? And we'll get into that. But it helps the fans. It helps the conference as a whole. And it helps the athletes that now choose to go to those schools. It's better for recruiting. It's better for the school's bank accounts. Again, money. And it's better It's better for the fans. The, ba- the fans have more to cheer for now. Okay, there's more money now involved. There's more money to be spent by the fans because they're going and facing Big 12 schools in a Power 5 conference. How is this working? It's obvious. How is this going to work? The issue has always been that teams have have one-loss seasons, like BYU, like Cincinnati. They have one-loss seasons, and they just, like the Power 5 schools, they just don't get talked about. They just don't get talked about. They were required to go undefeated, and even then, people were talking about speculations, people getting uh, uh, stiffed from the college football playoff. It's inevitable. That's exactly why we're here. But now we can find the truth behind the hype. We will now be able to find out if the BYUs, the Cincinnatis, the UCFs, the Houstons, We'll be able to find out if they're for real. How could this backfire, though? A few things could happen, and this could go south. If BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, or Houston comes into the Big 12 and flops, well, that's not a good thing. That's not good at all. And everything that I just stated would be false, and the college football 14 playoff would be the right choice. So essentially, this is a test run, in my opinion, to see how these schools would fare against the Power Five. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, well, then maybe, maybe we should have a separate discussion. And instead of having, you know, more than 100 schools in, in Division I football, how about we change the divisions around? And if it doesn't have Power Five school in it, then you're not Division I. How about that? Power five schools should only play power five schools. That's what they're saying. When they talk about a BYU team going, you know, uh, 9-1, and 10-1, 11-1, and, and getting stiffed from the, po- from the playoffs, then that's what they're saying, that you, you're not a power five school. So what are you, what are you bitching about? That's what they're telling you. So what these schools are trying to do is they're trying to they're trying to prove themselves, which is what they should do. That's exactly what they should be doing. And I think quite frankly it'll work. I think that enough uh, uh 
players and athletes will get recruited to these schools and they will fare well in the Big 12, which I, I believe it, the Big 12 is probably the worst division or the worst conference out of all of the Power Five as a whole. When you're talking about a conference as a whole, I would say that it's the, the worst. So it's a good start for them to go up there and, and place a better competition. You mean to tell me BYU is going to have a problem with Kansas? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think Cincinnati's going to go and and have their way with a few teams in in the Big 12 conference. Just my opinion, but it's a really good step um and it could if it works. Now we we talked about if it fails, but if it works and I think it will, then what's going to happen? It's going to be obvious that we should expand the playoff to 8 teams, 12 teams. We play bowl games anyway. Those can be playoff games. We could turn the bowl games, the whole entire bowl schedule, into a tournament. Why not? What are we doing? It's inevitable. There's, 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 there's money to be made. There's, there's excitement to be created. You got to be kidding me if you, if you think I wouldn't watch a college football 16, 32-team playoff. Outside your damn mind if you think that I wouldn't tune into that. 14 playoff is a great start. I think 8, 12, not even just because people talk. It's not even, for me, not even much uh, on, the, on the fence of, well, these, these schools are getting stiffed. Because I could go back and look at, like, well, if you match up Alabama with this team as an 8 seed, they're probably going to get rolled. That's not even how I look at it. I just look at it as, yeah, these players may get on the field and they may get steamrolled by Alabama, by Clemson, by Ohio State, but it's more exposure for them in bigger games that mean more than just a just a bowl game. Okay, yeah, cool. We won the uh, the we won the Chick Fil A Bowl. Cool. Congratulations. You won the Chick Fil A Bowl. S- sweet. We won the we won the uh, I, uh we won the Scottish Hammer Bowl. Yeah. Sounds like a dump to me. I mean, nah, I, I made up the Scottish Hammer Bowl, but you, you get the gist. You understand the joke. Uh, speaking of the Scottish Hammer, he may have cost Cleveland a win in week one against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But I don't really care about that because I've already made my point about the Browns going into the locker room after a loss. They don't feel like they were beat. They feel hungry. They feel like they can beat the Chiefs and that they will beat the Chiefs the next given opportunity. And I believe that as well. And I'm not blaming the Browns punter, the Scottish hammer, I am not blaming that man for this for for this loss. I'm just not. I'm just not going to blame uh anybody on the team single-handedly. I'm not going to single anybody out. I'm not going to point the finger at nobody. But what I would like to do is I would like to come to the defense of my franchise quarterback Baker Mayfield. Okay? Who outplayed Patrick Mahomes the first three quarters of the ball game last Sunday, again, at Arrowhead 
Again, 21 for 28, only seven incompletions. Okay, over 300 yards passing. Cleveland was four for four in the red zone. Four for four. No, no turnovers in the red zone. That's all you can ask for. He's an efficient quarterback. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, Baker Mayfield fits in Kevin Stefanski's system. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is, is the greatest quarterback in the league. I'm not claiming that at all. I believe that if Baker Mayfield was in other situations in the league, if Baker Mayfield was on other teams in the league, he could struggle. Okay, it's been proven. But in Kevin Stefanski's offense, in Kevin Stefanski's schemes, it works. Baker Mayfield works. Four for four in the red zone. Touchdowns. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb behind the offensive line, again, who who went out with uh, Jed Wills in the first half. Okay, five and a half yards per carry. All right? So it just proves that Baker doesn't need to throw for in, four touchdowns. He doesn't need to throw for four or 500 yards a game like Dak Prescott's going to have to do this season. Okay? He doesn't need to. It doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. He just doesn't need to. It's not the Browns' style. It's not, what they're, it's not what they're trying to accomplish. It's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to pound the ball. They're trying to win the time of possession, which they did in the Chiefs uh, against the Chiefs until not not the full game, but they did against the Chiefs um, in the first quarter, first half. They they had a strong game plan. They they couldn't finish the ball game. They just they they did not finish the ball game, but they were right there. Okay, Cleveland had to punt just twice in the whole game. In the whole entire game, they punted the way t- two times. And the defense held Kansas City to, to 10 points in the first half. I mean, this is just, uh, this should be a confidence booster for Cleveland. This should be a confidence booster for Browns fans, okay? And I'm getting a lot of pushback. I'm getting a lot of, well, Baker can't finish the job. Oh, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, I don't know if we can beat Kansas City. I do. Actually, I know we can beat Kansas City. I know the Browns can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Browns are better than the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to know how I know that? Sunday proved it. Because if the Scottish Hammer doesn't fumble the football, we're not having this conversation because Baker Mayfield's not led into a situation where he throws that interception. And if I might add, he was definitely being drugged to the ground as he threw the ball. Still a bad Mistake on his part, still a bad time to throw an interception, but I'd like to throw that in there. I want to defend my quarterback because Baker Mayfield is the franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. All right. It is, this is the third consecutive season. Baker Mayfield will be starting under center for the Cleveland Browns, and not to mention the rookie season when he came in and won the ball game and won the fans over against the New York Jets. It is nothing to worry about. It is absolutely nothing to worry about. We will be just fine. I am really, really excited for football. I am excited for tonight 
even though it's the Giants and the football team. Yes, the New York Giants and the Washington football team. I'm excited for the game. It's going to be, uh, we can get, let's dive back into it just a little bit before we go. Um, again, I'm really looking forward to seeing how um, Taylor Heineke can play. I mean, he, he looked he looked decent last week. He looked uh, pretty good coming into last week's ball game. I mean, he he was only asked to throw 15 times in the game, but he completed 11 of his passes for 122 yards uh, and a touchdown. So T- Taylor Heineke is going to be wh- what my eyes are, are are on for tomorrow night. I also want to see the Washington football team's defense come to play. I mean, come on. They gave up over 400 yards last week. You can't be doing that. Again, I guess you're right. It was against the the Chargers. Justin Herbert threw for 337 yards in a TD, but just one TD. I mean, he was 31 for 47 through the air. I I, I just don't I just don't know how how you give up that many yards. But they did hold the uh, Chargers to to just 20 points. So you got to give them the hats off to there um, to them there. But like I said, the defense and Taylor Heineke. That's going to be my focal point for this ball game. Um, I mean, if you want to talk fantasy purposes, I have Saquon Barkley on my fantasy team. Uh, I believe two of them, actually. So there you go. We can look at Saquon Barkley for the New York football giants, and we can see if the uh, O-line is going to start blocking each other again like they did last week. It was a circus. They're going to be at the bottom of the division. I don't see it any other possible way. Uh, The football team's defense is something to look for tonight. I really am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. If you want to ter- uh, talk betting terms, then you can look forward to a bonus edition of the Burley Gunner Show called Burley's Bets, and that will be um, on the ClevelandSportsFan.com, Cleveland Sports Fan Apple Podcast page. And you can also look forward to the Four Chubs podcast, which is tonight at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 2 o'clock Pacific. The Four Chubs uh, feature myself, Burley Gunner, my brother, Dr. Dog, B. Willis, and Chi-Town Betts, all in our respectful cities. We will go head-to-head in a competition where we pick winners on the NFL slate for Sunday. It's starting tonight. We will all have a selection in that football game tonight to uh, address who we have coming out on top in each game. We will also update you on the standings for where we are on the first week updated standings for the Four Chubs um, roundtable there. We had an exciting week and somebody on the show went off to quite the lead. So listen to that at, again, 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. If you're in the middle, do the math. That's on the Cleveland Sports Fan Network, clevelandsportsfan.com, and Apple Podcast, the Cleveland Sports Fan page. We'll see you tomorrow, dogs.